Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, I have a very fun guest, a guest that I've actually been asking to be on my show for many years, many years. The guest is actually um, was delivered into my life through my loins. It's my child. <laughs> so we are having a very fun night tonight talking all about what are we talking about, Steve? Uh, queer characters and mythology. Yeah, so this is Ziva's very first time coming on to a live experience with her mama. So we're having some fun tonight. Ziva is artistic, creative, brilliant. And uh, these are, this is how I wrote Ziva's bio. Ziva is an artistic, creative genius. I think that's what I said. All around, curiously, living through life. So... We are coming on live tonight to have a little fun for what month is this, Steve? Pride month, June. June is Pride month. So we are celebrating Pride with one of Ziva's all-time favorite topics. It's actually a topic that I remember when you were in grade, I think it was grade three or four, you did your you did your uh, speech, your year-long speech. Yeah. yeah. And it was all about uh, it was either about Artemis or about just uh, Greek gods in general. It was Artemis, and it was an amazing one. It was uh, a great story about uh, as if you got plopped back in time with Artemis and you were hanging out with Artemis. I remember the whole scene. I was completely baffled as to how that never won because the story was phenomenal. But your level of mythology goes way back. And, and I love that we're going to be talking about that tonight. And we're also going to be on a show next week, all talking about identity as well. So I'm very, um, very impressed and proud of you. For those of you who don't know, um, my babe's on the spectrum. So to be able to be public with everybody is this is really huge. This is a cool, huge deal. So I'm very impressed. So far, we're maintaining our cool. We have, we've been on for four whole minutes already. And, yeah, no, and no dissociating yet. You're doing really good. So we just look at ourselves in the camera and we like, have fun. So <laughs> we are, for those of you who have never listened to this show, we usually talk about sex and intimacy on this show. And we talk about all things having to do with body, sex, and pleasure. And this actually goes right in line with that, because what are we talking about? Queer characters and mythology. And part of talking about this is to actually help people realize that there's something that I don't know if you know this, but gay people aren't new. <laughs> Did you think gay people were new? Actually, we were invented in 2012 by a scientist. Um, his name was Hun Smith. Oh, Hun Smith, so yeah. Everything, like all the historical records before that, they were just made up. That makes sense. And all the, anybody that was queer before that, that yeah. I knew, that wasn't real. No, we're, we're actually uh, liberal propaganda. 
Yeah, I thought so. So welcome to the liberal propaganda episode where we're going to talk about things that are not actually historical, but are based on people's imaginations that yeah. were stories that were written possibly not possibly mm -hmm. in the past, but we're not really sure. Because you know what? Anything that was written a long time ago is probably falsified, right? So we're just going with that. Uh, we're just going to go with all it, all the information we're sharing tonight is just ludicrous, is it not? Okay, yeah. cool. And I asked Ziva before we got on the show to look at and play with some favorite characters from mythology and like what makes them favorite and why are we celebrating them uh, for you know for Pride Month? Why are we celebrating them? And yes, I know that this show is going to irk people. I know last year when I put a show out with two trans men, I had about 25 people jump off my mailing list. I know, I know it's awful. I should not. It's just, it's so, I, I feel for you guys because it's so terrifying when you see someone that isn't exactly like you. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of you right now. It's so scary. I'm, I'm actually trembling right now. I'm trembling so fast that you can't tell. <laughs> so, so what makes this conversation fun is actually Ziva and I talk like this all the time, but uh, we're just having it videoed. So that makes it even awkward. Yeah. And we're talking really close like they do in shows. <laughs> and we, we always talk about how funny We always make fun of that. We, we're always talking like that. Like how do people talk like that? But now just, we know. It's the cameras. It's the cameras. It's the cameras. And you're forced into the position of, hi, how are you? It's so awkward. <laughs> so for those of you who would be like, um, hi, guys, get on with your show. We are going to do that. So when uh, when do you think, when we look back historically, because we're going to go back, we're going to call this looking back historically, because these things that are mythology were stories and people's history yeah it just, was it was yeah. originally considered history like we've only thought of them as myths within like the last oh like 400 years because before that they were just considered history yeah so so we're just going to call them history for today but we put it mythology in the title for the sake of um it's cultural history cool i like that cultural history as, as you have referred to other things as other um, mythologies as well, all religions and Ziva's, and Ziva's interpretation. mythology. Yes, yeah, Ziva has interpretations of everything, which are just, I love it. They're awesome. So, uh, okay, <laughs> let's get on with uh, what first or who first introduced you to mythology? Um, well, I think technically it was probably you because you showed me the Percy Jackson movies when I was like, what, six, seven? It's my like, fault. It's my yeah. fault that I, I must have done that. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, let me just be clear. The Percy <laughs> Jackson movies, they're a disgrace to the books. We do not, we do not applaud them in this house. Um, but yes, Percy Jackson was my uh introduction into the mythology world and so at first what was your i mean watching it as movies what were your impressions of the characters because you've always you've always had a thing where yeah. you, you like to evaluate characters and character flaws in people especially in movies and you could establish like their relationships and what their what their issues were 
I think I think the first thing that I thought of the movies because they like I said I watched them before I read the books the first thing that I thought of when I watched the movies was that um I was recognizing patterns in like a lot of children's media um which was that whenever there was a friend group of like three people there was always um the guy the hero the goofy guy and then the smart girl yeah. which is it applies to both Harry Potter and Percy Jackson but I think that was just the autism letting me see patterns and stuff <laughs> I don't know where I, where I was going with this um oh that was my first impression of the movies is what I was saying yeah looking at the different yeah. patterns in, in relationships because I didn't quite under I can't actually remember what all my first thoughts were because I don't it didn't really make too much of an of an impression on me on the first time that I watched it. It was only after that I read the books and then watched the movies again that I started to remember things about it. So Jennifer's asking in the chat room, was the goofy guy queer in Percy Jackson? I'm, uh, I'm thinking, is Ro that- Robert Underwood is satyr, so he's not human, so probably. <laughs> so probably anything that's not Yeah, human. I mean, he's attracted to a tree spirit, so. Exactly. Right, so anything's possible. So for tonight's characters that we're looking at in mythology, which mythologies are we going to be addressing? So I I predominantly know stuff from like uh, Greek, uh, Norse, uh, Roman mythology and some Egyptian stuff. I know a smattering from like tons of other world mythologies, but the most that I know is like, as I said, Greek, Roman, Norse, because of the Rick Riordan books. Awesome. Yeah. So are the Rick Riordan, when you look at the Rick Riordan books, are those, are those um, the things that he writes about, about mythologies of those characters, did you ever look and compare notes to other mythological stories to, to check and see was, were his interpretations of those characters correct, or is mostly his and uh, mostly the information, like his information, something that he uh, just wrote to make the books interesting, or is it fairly accurate to the stories? No, all the all mythology that he references in the books is pretty accurate, except for that he does cut out a lot of the, a lot of the like sexual content and assaults and stuff like that, because you know children's book series, you can't really show that to kids. But other than that, it's really accurate. So that's I did actually learn a lot from those books. Awesome. So what do you have in your notes today? What are some of the uh, things we're going to talk about? So I just I just have like names of stuff because I this is a great thing to start with is yeah. names of stuff. Names of stuff and such. So it's like very, very hastily written. I notes. love it. Hastily written notes. Yeah. Like no I have notes too. I mean yeah. this is in a lovely in a lovely no. coil binder. I'd say, oh let let's start with this question because I like asking weird questions. If you were going to have a relationship with any one of these characters, who do you think would be the best person to have a relationship with of the mythological characters? Like friendship. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. that's a relationship. Yeah, like any kind of friendship. Um, hmm. your mom, if you wanted them to be your mama, like that's all relationship. Like what kind of relationship and what would you want them to be? Let's name your top 10. Uh, all the notes that I have. Yeah. It's like all the, all the characters that you wrote down. And then we're going to say like, would you like them to be your best friend, 
would you rather have him be your mama, your papa? Um, you can name you can name the different the different uh, ways they could be in your life. Ideally, oh. they could be your protector. Like, what would you want them to be, and why? Well, I'm not gonna. I'm right now. I'm not gonna get into explaining who all these people are because we only have a couple minutes till break. Yeah. But um, well, I don't know. There's this horse here. Yeah. That's really strong. He built a wall. I feel like he'd be a really nice guy. He what? is a horse, but he'd be my friend. What's his name? Uh, Svaldefari. Where and which mythology is he from? Norse. And how is he queer? Um. Oh, he isn't, but he's uh, stuck with Loki. I'll get into it. It's weird. Okay. But I think he'd be my friend. Um, I like horses. Uh, there's, let's see, there's an Egyptian god called Apis, who's the god of silence. They're kind of known for being shy. So, I mean, that's more like me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, let's see, uh, there's- Is one... Apis queer? Uh, no, just another person in the, in the stories. Yeah, in the stories. Okay. Um, and then there's a guy called Hyacinthus. He is queer. Um, he dies very quickly though, but I think he's, I think he's, uh, nice. Is that common to most queer characters yes. in mythology? Yes. Um, die quickly. To most, to most characters in mythology period, they die in horrible ways. It's just, it's just the way. In general. Gone. Right. So. They don't, in a lot of stories that we watch or shows that we watch, somehow the queer characters seem to always die fast. That is an actual trope. It's called the barrier gaze trope. Um, it was like, it's a recognized thing in media where, wait, how much time do we have? Oh, it's okay. I'm in control of it. No okay. worries. Oh, okay. So this started happening um, around around the 1970s-ish, particularly in, particularly in the UK when um when queer characters were getting more common in tv because more than more so than the u.s um and they started at uh, sorry 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 looking my thoughts so what they would do is they get they get a queer character for like five minutes of representation and then they kill them off but they'd still be able to say, well, we have your representation here. Right. It doesn't matter that they die and everyone died. You can't complain about it. They still do this today. But it started around the 1970s, like I said. But it's a way so that um, so that uh, broadcasting companies can still get clout for saying, like, we have your representation, but they don't have to get, they don't have to, um, have all the backlash from all the homophobes who don't want the characters on there in the first place so they can pander to both crowds while getting profits from both crowds. Yeah, I, how ideal. There you go. I love that segue. We will go into our break and then we come back. We're going to go back on track to mythology, believe it or not. We know how to go back on track. We can go really far off track and we could actually start just talking about recipes out of nowhere. It's the curse of the ADHD. But we will go on track. So thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back when we will be talking about uh, more queer characters in mythology after this commercial break. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? 
Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone Radio Show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight I have a very special guest. Why is this guest special? Because this guest was brought to you by my loins. <laughs> that's why this guest is special. It's the only guest that's ever been on here that was brought to you by my loins. <laughs> because there is only one yeah. right now on this planet that was brought to the planet by my loins. So one of a kind. You are one, you're definitely one of a kind. So we are talking about queer characters in mythology. We may go off on tangents because this is how our brains operate. However, we are going to get back into queer characters in mythology because I see you have notes and I would love to hear yes. some stories. What story do you have prepared for us this evening? Well, even though like five minutes ago, I said that I was going to focus on Greek Roman and Norse mythology. Here's some Inuit mythology for you. Uh, so, where did I? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. So, for the first one, this is um, this is a pretty common uh, Inuit creation myth. Um, it's about the creation of the seals, and why it's so important is because you know Inuit people pretty much live on seals. You know, one of their main sources of food. Um, so, uh, the, the name of this character, uh, oh, what's the word? The name of this character differs throughout the different, uh, communities and dialects mm -hmm. of Inuit people. Um, so there's, uh, Sana with one N, Sana with two Ns, and then there's Sedna, which I'm going to use. Um, so Sedna. There's also different uh, there's also different versions of this myth as there is for literally every myth in it, like all over the world. None of them are the same. Um, uh, 
so for this version of the myth, Sedna is a young woman. Um, oh, sorry. A young woman who gets kidnapped by a vulture, gets taken back to his house. It's all rotten. And there's like rotting carcasses everywhere and it's all disgusting. And uh, her parents, they're wondering where she is. So they send out a bunch of young men, strong young men, to go and find her in their canoe. But when they find her, they bring her back into the canoe and the vulture scares them. The vulture's chasing them. And um, they know that the vulture just wants Sedna and that it would leave them alone if they gave her to it. So they push her out of the canoe and she's holding on with her fingers and they're hacking at her fingers with their oars. And eventually her fingers break off and mm. she goes into the water and so do her fingers. Mm. And um, her fingers turn into, into the first seals and whales in the ocean. And she becomes a, a witch slash uh, sea goddess slash benevolent creator, depending on which myth you uh, look at. And the queer element of this is that in all, some of the myths also, she has a girlfriend named, uh, quote, sorry, long word, Quilertetang. Uh, sorry if I butchered the pronunciation. Her name's Quilertetang. So Sedna and Quilertetang are at the bottom of the ocean and they're the, they're the reason why uh, the Inuit have seals and whales who live off of Nice. So the two lesbian goddesses living at the bottom of the ocean were able to create the rest of the planet. Yeah, out of a very unfortunate situation. I love it. Not that I love the unfortunate no. situation, but that's an excellent creation story because not most creation stories aren't most creation stories sort of uh heterosexual creation stories there's like usually male and female yeah. and this is like one that's very unique it's very that. it's very asexual actually because like there there was no there was no sex needed all that all that happened was that her fingers were cut off right. and then they turned into seals as that as that happened you know that's happened to me before <laughs> um and, oh. and your fingers grew back yeah see like it's incredible. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, come closer. Train of thought has been lost. Come closer to your mama because you keep on leaving the screen with me. Excellent. Lean towards me. Excellent. Okay. So awesome. I love it. They considered the bond of the ocean. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That is a that is a really excellent summary. Thank you. That we just got a summary of this story. So, who is our next on our list of fabulous queer mythological slash historical characters? So, I forgot to say this earlier before I go into the next myth. So, one of the main um, arguments that homophobes slash transphobes use again use in their um, argument that queer people have never existed is that. They are never mentioned in myths because the words like non-binary, gay, lesbian are never used. Yes, because they weren't fucking invented yet. That's right. They weren't Sorry. invented yet. They weren't invented yet, but they did exist. 
without just, a name. Yeah. Yes. Just because the color orange wasn't named until the 1500s doesn't mean it didn't exist before that. It's true. And it's true that the color orange did not exist. It was a variation. The fruit red. came first. The fruit came the fruit first. The fruit came first. The very next day came the name orange. So, uh, yeah, what I was saying is that um, in none of these myths, do they ever do they ever describe themselves using terminology that we use today? Because either one, they just didn't have those words, or two, they thought of them in very different terms to what we think of today. Like it's it's fun to say like the ancient Greeks were really really gay. In our terms, they were, but back, they just didn't think of it that way. Yeah. For them, unfortunately, a lot of gay sex was actually assault because it was a way for them to assert dominance over other men which is also a sign of masculinity because ancient Greeks were also misogynistic so it was seen that any sort of dominance other than another man would be assert the asserting your dominance over another man would be like a sign of masculinity but that's not to say that there weren't like healthy queer relationships back then too. It's just that, like I said, they were thought of in much different terms. Um, so also, uh, I forgot to put this on the list, but I just remembered this. So um, there's a lot of, uh, sorry, words. There's, um, so a lot of, Oh my God. All right, the Band of Thieves. The Band of Thieves was an ancient Greek army made entirely of couples of gay men who were largely, largely credited to have um, won the Trojan War mm -hmm. or at least like swung in the favor of the Greeks. But there's also like, some people believe that it just didn't exist at all. Because um, a lot of history and mythology was written down by the same people who are actually poets. So sometimes they just made stuff up. And like you, sometimes you can't tell the difference between history and mythology. But the band of thieves was um, oh, the band of thieves was known for being very strong because it was it was theorized that if you had gay men in couples with each other they'd be more motivated to fight for each other, to protect each other. Mm -hmm. And that actually worked because they were like trying to impress each other on the battlefields. And there's actually a shrine or a memorial to them in Greece. I can't really remember where, because like I said, it's on my list. Maybe in Thebes. Uh, prob yeah, it's probably in Thebes. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing it's in Thebes. But it's for the, it's for all the fallen, uh, all the fallen uh, members of the Band of Thieves, which is like all of them, because I think they all died in the Trojan War because they were all trying to impress each other. Um, uh, there probably wasn't that many of them either, maybe less no. than 500, I would think. Yeah, the armies back then were pretty small. So we have about two more minutes to break. I know that you have lots of more great characters that you want to talk about, which is great. We're going to take some deep breaths on this. Yes. This has been an exciting, exciting stimulation for the brain and the lights and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I'm impressed. You're sticking with it and you're doing great. So um, before we head out, can you excite the listeners with where we're going to go next? Where, what do you want to talk about next when we come back from break? Loki. So Loki. if you're a Marvel fan, it's not going to be anything about Marvel, but it'll be about Loki. So well, that that's one yeah. excellent way to start that. So <laughs> it's going to be about Loki. That's all he has to say about that. Yeah. So in some of the stories that we've been talking about, what before we head off to this break, are there any ones that you feel most inspired by? Like we're talking about the 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 band of thieves. Like who? who that's one of my favorite fun facts. <laughs> you have a lot of favorite fun facts. So in this house, I get probably fun, at least one fun fact a day. Yeah. If I haven't received a fun fact of the day, I know that there's something going on with Zeev yeah. and there's sadness in the heart. But if there's a fun fact coming out, I know something's back on track. Just like if I say really nasty things that are more like, you know, sexual innuendo. Mildly everything. traumatizing things. Mildly traumatizing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I laugh, but I don't laugh. But it's all, it's all so sad. Sometimes there's sexual innuendo that's been occurring and sometimes it just goes over people's heads when they're little and then sometimes they realize what their mom has been saying forever and they like, whoa, that was disturbing. So um, some of your favorite characters, I'm glad that we were talking about that. (laughs) And we have some commentaries coming in the chat room that other parents have been mildly traumatizing as well. Congratulations. You do have a roof over your head, though, and yeah. food in your belly, so we're doing A-OK yeah. on that front. That's why I said mildly. Mildly. Otherwise, if the food yeah. and the roof wasn't there, it would be extremely yeah. traumatizing. <laughs> All righty. So we are going to head to our next commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back with some stories about Loki after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. Hey. 
How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight we are talking about, what are we talking about? We're characters in mythology. Yes. And who are you? Your child. Yeah. True story. The only guest who has ever been come from my loins. Yeah. Good times. So we are, I actually invited Ziva to talk on the show about this topic because it is one of Ziva's favorite topics to talk about, to share fun facts about. On a regular basis, I get fun facts <laughs> about different queer characters in mythology. Hey, did you know that blah, 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 blah? I'm like, you have a lot of fun facts about this. Let's How talk about it. Let's, it's how you show love, fun facts about queer mythology, queer characters. So tell me all about, actually, and the, usually in this segment of the show, because I know how much you listen to my show, because it's your favorite mm -hmm. thing to be disturbed by. Um, usually at this segment in the show, we talk about the guest and all about the guest and you know the guest's expertise how did the guest become an oh. expert and how people can find the guest if they're interested in following the guest do you want to do any of that uh well I learned all this stuff because when I was a child um instead of playing with other people at recess I would go and sit on the bench and read Good times. <laughs> and um, if you want to find me anywhere, I mean, I'm a minor, so. Um, but we don't. I, <laughs> give it three years. <laughs> I don't know. When do you not become a minor? What age? 18? Yeah, 18. Okay, yeah. so you got a few years. Um, but I mean, if you don't, if you're not going to be creepy, um, I'm on TikTok. And you and can ask me how Instagram. to find them. Yeah. yeah, you can write to me through my website sure. and you can ask if you're interested in following Ziva yeah. on TikTok and I get to um, vet you first and see if you're A-OK. -okay. And I will not hesitate to block people who even make me the slightest bit uncomfortable. <laughs> That's awesome. It's such a great boundary. Mm -hmm. you, have, you have fantastic boundaries, which blows me away because I don't think I taught them to you. <laughs> so you're like not even close. So that's why some people say I never learned boundaries. I'm like, I never taught boundaries. <laughs> so there you go. And some people are just natural. Oh, good times. So we are talking about some fun stuff around queer characters and mythology. I think it's a really great way to allow people to know and see that this is not new. It didn't, 
queer people didn't show up in 2012. No. Um, the internet did not actually invent anybody queer. No. The LGBTQ, I know, I actually know that they existed in the 80s, like possibly before. Like it's possible. May, maybe even 1979. <laughs> maybe. maybe even 1900s. Maybe even zero. Maybe. Now, maybe now negative this, 482. Now this is radical. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, we weren't invented and we're just people. What? But we'll be talking about that tomorrow on identity. Yeah. You were you weren't invented. I know. I was actually made in a lab by test tubes. That could be true, but yeah. we're not totally sure. I no. could have had an alien implant. Yeah. And thank you for being the alien born of me. I was cloned from the stem cells of a papaya. I don't even like papayas, so how's that possible? <laughs> could it be strawberries instead? Sure. Okay, excellent. So now that we know how Z became to be, we can move on because that is just another mythology we're playing with. That's another queer mythology. The birth of Ziva from a papaya seed that was cloned. Can you just tell us about your own mythology right now? Uh... You just got born from a papaya seed. Tell me all about that. Um, I wasn't planning on doing that. Okay, I know you weren't planning on it, but you started it. You you said you were born of the stem cells of the papyrus. That was just supposed to be a humorous. It was good, though. and I could see a story involved. Okay, come back to that later, maybe. It might evolve later off screen. I believe it probably will at midnight. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to Loki, the everlasting Loki that we've been avoiding yeah. talking about that I know you really like we want to talk yeah. about. So Loki, Loki could actually have his entire book, if not his own book series of all his, all the stuff that he's done in Norse mythology, because it is, it is a long, long, long list. But I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do one or two things. Otherwise, we'll be here all night, all week. All month, whatever. Are you going to just like tap into his most queer expedition ex experiences? Yes. Excellent. So first of all, Loki is what we think of today as gender fluid. He just is. He changes from male to female to anything in between all the time. He's also a shapeshifter, so he he also turns from like human to giant to god to animal to insect all the time whenever he wants. So he is by no means. Uh, what Marvel thinks of as a British dude who stays in the same form all the time, cishet. No, that's just not Loki. So the story that I want to start with is, so the Norse gods, they live in a realm called Asgard, which is one of the nine Norse realms on, uh, oh crap. One of the, I forgot the name of the Norse world tree, but one of the nine uh, world realms on no the Norse world tree. Um, not, yep. And the gods wanted to protect themselves. Uh, the world Norse tree is called Yggdrasil. And, um, and the gods wanted to build a wall around Asgard to protect the giants from getting in because the giants are like their mortal enemies. But the thing with Loki is, is that he's a giant, but also a god at the same time, because he just is, because he's Loki. And so um, 
what happened was first the gods asked some guy, I also forgot his name, but they got, um, and my mother's looking that up too. Okay. Um, uh, they asked a guy to build the wall around Asgard, and um, he was only allowed the, uh, one helper, and he chose his magical horse called Svaldifari, who I've already mentioned in this show. And Svaldifari was this um, super strong, super fast, magical horse who could, uh, like, evidently build an entire wall around an entire world by himself. But the thing is, is that because this was such a big feat, um, uh, um, uh, he asked for uh, one maiden god, and I think it was one realm as payment, and the gods were panicking, so they said yes um, initially, but then they regretted that very quickly, and they asked Loki to come and distract the horse. From building the wall. And Loki, being Loki, didn't just think, oh, let's get a carrot and lead it away. No, he turned into a horse, a female horse, and had a baby with the horse, and then had a baby horse. Loki got pregnant and had a baby horse, Hmm. but the baby horse had eight legs and could fly because that makes sense because it's North mythology. Um, the The horse was called Slipnir. Uh, as I said, it could fly. And what is it? How do you say that name again? Um, Slipnir, I think. Slip, Slipnir. Slipnir. I like it. I think it means uh, uh, like fast, okay. swift. Um, uh, okay, you can breathe. We're going to just breathe for a second. And we're talking about all the great, the fact that Loki turned into an eight-legged horse is pretty that's, entertaining. Um, that's one of the tamer myths. He also, he, he got pregnant a few more times in other myths. And he, uh, among his children are uh, Jormungandr, which is the snake that wraps around the world, which we all know about, the snake that is all the rivers and all the oceans of the world that is eating its own tail. So if you've ever seen a pic, like um, iconography of a snake eating its tail, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's where that comes from. It's that Norse myth. So that's one of his kids. He's also had Hel, one L, um, who is the Norse god of Hel. She has her own name, her own realm named after her. Is it like the Hel that in Christian? I'm pretty sure the Christians stole it from them because it's way it's way too similar to oh, the Christian child to not be um, either stolen or heavily inspired. Um, and as we know, the Christians they they like their inspirations. Um, and hell, um, hell was uh, on one side a beautiful woman. On the other side, she was rotting and like exposed muscle and there were bugs crawling over her Mm. skin because she was supposed to depict like um the reality of death on one side because she wasn't supposed to be seen as this this um this beautiful thing that you're supposed to strive for which is what the vikings did okay so oh i forgot to say if you're confused on what norse mythology is um, just to put it very inconcisely, 
Vikings, but Vikings is a job description. Um, all Vikings are Norse, not all Norse are Vikings. Viking just meant raider, to be clear. Awesome. So we're talking about the Northmen, really, that's Norse. And yeah. Like, yeah. So what's like modern day Sweden, Sweden Scandinavia, mm -hmm. Norway, all those, all those countries. Awesome. You're doing great, Stephen. You know what? We're almost on our last break. So you have made it through 45 minutes socializing with other human beings. Look at you, rock and roll, telling stories about mythology to the public. I love it. You okay. are, I'm so impressed. We've got 10 more minutes left. And do you have more stories about Loki to uh, go on? Yes. Tonight? Okay. Um, and but I want to. I, yeah. I haven't even gone through half my list yet. Then maybe we'll have, then maybe you can just name a bunch of them. Oh, and just, like all right. How and why they're so great and queer. So in Crete, there was, um, there was a woman called Telesusa and her husband Lydius, or no, Lydus, sorry, scratchy handwriting, her husband Lydus. They had a baby named Iphis, but the thing was that they were so poor that they knew that if they had a daughter, they'd be broke because they'd have to pay a dowry when she grew up. So like this made the hard decision that if they had a baby girl, he'd have to murder it. Hmm. Because, you know, that's the Greeks' first choice for everything. Murder it. Um, so was, was, not anymore. Was, sorry. Yeah, let's be clear that way. Right. I'm, I'm not saying modern day Greeks are homicidal maniacs, just that ancient Greek culture was very murdering. <laughs> Mur murdering, yeah. Sorry. Murderish. 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 Awesome. So um, uh, they had um, not actually, a, okay, so sex and gender are two different things. They had a baby female, mm -hmm. um, and Telethusa, the mother, got very scared about this because she thought, I don't want to lose my baby. I, I just don't. So she prayed to um, she prayed to Osiris, Anubis, Bastet, and Apis. Oh. Even though they're Egyptian gods, yeah. but because the Greeks colonized Egypt at one point, so they also got some intermingling of those myths. So that's where that comes from. So she prayed to, as I said, Osiris, Anubis, Bastet, and Apis. Osiris is the god of the dead. He's the king of the realm of death, of the um, the field of reeds, which is the Egyptian good afterlife. Anubis is the god of god of death. He's what he's the per, the god who makes people die. The god of the dead and the god of death are two different things. Bastet is the goddess of cats, and Apis, as I already said in this, is the god of silence. Um, so what happens to this baby? So um, what happens is that these four gods, they listen to Telethus's prayers and, um, okay, not yet. Uh, so what they say is that uh, they'll protect this baby as long as it lives. Um, it will have no harm done to it. Hmm. So, um, but also Telethusa makes a decision that she isn't going to tell her husband about the sex of the baby. She's going to raise it as a boy, which is what she does. So she raises Iphis as a boy. And when Iphis is like teenager age, he falls in love with a girl named Iantha. And Iphis at this point knows that if he wants to marry Iantha, he'd have to be biologically male, which he isn't. And... 
Um, so Telethusa, again, she's an ally. She prays to <laughs> four gods again. And they're like, you know what, man? We're going to give you a free transition. So they make him male. And uh, Iphis is then free to marry Iantha. Oh, wow. So there's just one example of uh, a trans character, an explicitly trans character in Greek mythology. And there are many more. No surgery required. No, just prayer. <laughs> so we're going to take a little break. And we've got a few minutes after we come back from break. So we're going to have a quick shorty. Um, we'll come back. We've got about five minutes after that. So we'll wrap up and you can tell us some other quickies after that. So thank you for having a listen. You are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. We're just rounding up the last bit of this show tonight. We have a few minutes left. And I just want to let you give like a little summary of uh, some characters that you might have missed that I know that if you don't mention them, it's going to bug you yes. all night. Because unfortunately, I spent a lot of time stammering and I didn't get to do a lot of these. You actually didn't. You did a really good job. Okay. Um, let's see. So, Apollo. Apollo is very bisexual. <laughs> That's it. That's all you wanted to say. I love it. No, not yet. Okay, not yet. Um, so, just one of the many bisexual encounters that Apollo has is with a lad named Hyacinthus. Hyacinthus is a prince of what kingdom? I don't know. I forgot to look it up. Um, so Hyacinthus and Apollo are playing discus one day, uh, re- ancient Greek version of Frisbee. And um, so there's a wind spirit, the spirit of the spring wind, who also has a crush on Hyacinthus. And he sees Apollo and Hyacinthus uh, flirting together, and he gets very jealous. And Apollo throws a discus, trying to uh, impress Hyacinthus. Uh, I forgot to say, Hyacinthus is supposed to be, at the time, the most beautiful man in all of Greece. His eyes are purple. Hmm. I've seen this before in real life. And um, so Apollo throws a discus, trying to impress Hyacinthus. And the wind spirit takes a chance and he blows the discus back, but he accidentally, the discus accidentally hits Hyacinthus, hits Hyacinthus in the neck 
and it cuts his head off. And then Apollo is really sad about this. Apollo lays down and starts crying. And Apollo, being a god, turns Hyacinthus into a hyacinth. This is where we get hyacinth. Yes. So every time you see a hyacinth, just think, oh. Gay love. There is a little dead gay guy. (laughs) Isn't that lovely? It's a little lad right there. Isn't that lovely? We have about two and a half minutes left. Can Can you give me a sweet summary of... Uh, all things summary of like the queerness in mythology um summarizing like maybe two sentences how would you summarize this a it exists b it doesn't exist b it's not never this is not real this was invented by some liberals it was invented by hans smith that's right (laughs) in 2012 um so yeah as we've covered before, queer people were invented by Hans Smith in 2012. Um, but uh, so all myths, just world myths in general, uh, pretty pretty gay, I'd say so myself. Just like yeah, if if you try and find myths that are like um, un uncolonized, I think it's called. So before. Before the British came in and messed things up on the various cultures of the world, you can find some pretty cool stuff, like um, mostly like queer representation before they tried to cisgender, heterosexual everything. So uh, one of the main reasons why people think that there is no uh, queer people in history and mythology is because they've just been erased. They've been thought of as disgusting and um or a mistake and they've just they've either been written as like cousins brothers mother and daughter which is really weird but they did that stuff yeah or they've just been like forgotten entirely um so they exist all you have to do is just like go looking really deep or look between the lines or think like um does this make sense for the like the region and the time period that we're looking at? Why does this seem why does this seem too Western for like say I don't know sixth century China? Why is there already heteronormative stuff there? Mm-hmm. Probably because of the colonizers. And I think that's we're, it. Yeah, we're, we're done. done. You did a great job. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Next week we'll be talking about identity. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.